All right. So we are, we're jumping into this series. There's a couple theme verses. We do this for series when we're not in a book series. We'll, we'll grab a, a, a verse that kind of propels us into the series. And this, there's actually two for this one. Uh, what, the first one is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. It says, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are re being renewed day by day. There's the key word that I, I want you to catch on to is day by day. So we're going to be talking about what it means to be in a relationship with God day by day. And this is the beauty of, of the journey that we have with Christ, is that it's not a one-moment thing. That's kind of a, a misnomer that we've taken on with the sinner's, uh, the, the sinner's prayer, is that it's like this moment where we pray and then everything's good from there on out. It's not how it works. That's not how the Bible talks about it. It's a journey day by day that we grow in relationship with him and that we continue in this relationship with him. And it's, it's just day by day, day by day, we are walking. Now, here's the one where I really want to dive into is Acts chapter 17 is that uh, it says Paul. So this is speaking of Paul. It says he went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and God fearing Gentiles. So he went to synagogue. Now, for us, that would be the same as saying, hey, we went to church. So he would wake up on, on a, for him, Saturday morning, for you, a Sunday morning, and he would have gone to church, and he would have gone there, and he would have had a conversation there about Jesus. This is what we're doing. We're having a conversation about Jesus. That's good. It's what we're supposed to be doing. He went to church, and, but it says that uh, he then spoke daily. There's the word that we're looking for. In the public square to all who happen to be there. Now, this is where we get to have some fun because he went so day by day, every day, he would go to the public square. Now, what is the public square? For us, it would be going to Walmart, right? You go to, and you can buy anything at Walmart, right? So this is, but the public square was where they would go, they would be able to purchase this. Now, this is also where Paul worked day by day. Now this, so real quick, let me just kind of, uh, this is not talking about a, a guy using, uh, standing on the corner of, the, of Walmart, uh, or being in the middle of Walmart, yelling at people about Jesus, right? That's not, what he's, that's not what he's referencing here. He would have been in the context of working at Walmart and talking to the people that worked with him. So he goes down, you know, he's, maybe he uh, needs to buy uh, leather for, to finish out the tents that he's building or the, sale, uh, the sales that he's putting together. He would have gone into the place, got the sale or got the leather, and as he was buying that stuff, he would have been having that conversation. And of course, the conversation would have led to Jesus because that is who he's, that's what he's all about. He's, that's everything he thinks about is all about Jesus. So it would, it, conversation would have led to Jesus. It wouldn't have been... Uh, I, I hate to do this because I think that, uh, just this week I saw a guy on the corner of Walmart and as I saw him I'm like hey this is exactly what I'm talking about I actually got my camera out and I videotaped as I was driving by him and I rolled my window down and I watched back what I was seeing and I, I even did it twice in both videos is this is what I heard Jesus Jesus that was all, I'm on, I'm, I'm on, yeah, <laughs> what am I doing, oh, I need to fix it, 
I got wardrobe people. See, that's true friendship right there. All you are not my friends. They're my friends, okay? They, they fixed my trunk, okay? Thank you, okay? <laughs> Thank you, guys. <laughs> what was I talking about? Okay, the guy, blah, 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 okay. And here's the thing. I know that guy had a good heart. I know that he had good intentions, but I was trying to listen and couldn't hear anything. See, we, 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 many times we have to begin with the relationship and move somebody in the direction day by day. It wasn't a one-time conversation. It was a conversation after one after another. He daily went to the marketplace and had that conversation in the public square. And this is what we're, I want to talk about is through this series, Everyday Saints, is the focus is the faithfulness in the day-to-day. Because a lot of times when we look at the scripture, we focus on the big name guys, the big heroes, the Moseses, the Davids, the, the Pauls. And we're like, man, I love those stories. You know, we have those, those stories where Moses is in the wilderness. He's taking care of his father-in-law's sheep. And he comes across a burning bush that doesn't actually burn. And he's like, wow, that's crazy. And he walks up to it. And as he's walking up to it, the bush begins to talk. That's crazy. Okay, so the bush begins to talk to him. And then what's even crazier is Moses begins to have a conversation with a talking bush. Okay, <laughs> what he finds that as funny as me, I guess, but I find that hilarious. Wait, like, there's, you know when you're crazy. Everybody has conversations in their head, right? It's when you start having them out loud that you have to be worried. <laughs> He's having a conversation with the bush, but that bush turns out to be God speaking to him. That is awesome. We all want that moment, right? We all want the moment. Let's get to Paul. Paul's on his way to Damascus to kill all the other, uh, anybody that's following Jesus. He's on his way to kill him. And on his way, a light comes from heaven, knocks him off his horse, and says, begins to speak to him. That's awesome. We all want that moment, that, that big thing that happens. But many times when we look at those guys, we miss the day-to-day that makes those guys. This morning, I want to look at one that we're, we're going to actually dive into the guy, or the, I'm sorry, not the guy, we're going to look at who Moses doesn't happen unless we have these two individuals. So let's go to Exodus chapter 1. Uh, Exodus chapter 1, it is uh, very beginning, so we just finished Genesis. If you're in the Bible, you get Genesis, then Exodus. So Genesis is all about creation. We learn about a family. The main family is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Exodus picks up there. In Exodus chapter uh, 1, verse 1, we, we get a list of guys who are now in Egypt. But let me, let me go to uh, verse uh, 5. Uh, Exodus chapter 1, verse 5. It says, all the descendants of Jacob. Now, if you want to, you can go ahead and write there uh, that it is Jacob is actually... Israel. Jacob equals Israel. That is the, the, the name Jacob has been changed by God to Israel. So when you talk about the Israel nation, here we have the foundation of the Israel nation in Egypt, not their nation. Okay, so this is where, if you were here two weeks ago, uh, George Young laid out the foundation that God intentionally took them to Egypt and brought them out of Egypt because that was the context that they were leaving and they were being established. So here we are. We have Jacob. There's 70 persons with him. And there was Joseph who was already in Egypt. So we have Joseph, 
I don't have time to get into the story, but Joseph was the guy with the multi-technicolor, what's that movie? Anybody remember that movie? Joseph and the multi, what, help me out. Dreamcoat, there it is, yeah. He wore the Dreamcoat, and that movie is terrible uh, in far as illustrating what, the, it was very, not very contextually correct. But Joseph, we've all kind of heard of him. He ends up in second in command of all of Egypt. But then it says that then Joseph died, and all his brothers and all that generation, but the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. So it went from 70 to a bunch. And they multiplied and grew extremely strong so that the land was filled with them. Now, those, uh, uh, now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. So somebody separate, somebody, a new regime is in place. And it says, he said to his people, behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal with them shrewdly. Let's deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply, and if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. So this is, he's saying, hey guys, here we go. Uh, we need to deal, this is Pharaoh. Pharaoh's saying, we cannot have these people keep growing, because if they keep growing, they're going to overtake us. So let's step in and stop it from happening. We need to deal with them shrewdly. Jumping down to verse 15, it says, then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives. Shifra and Pua. Shifra and Pua. These are the two names that we, we're given here, Shifra and Pua. And this is who we're going to talk about this morning. How many of you recognize the name Shifra and Pua? Nobody good, because I went home to my kids and I said, hey guys, do you guys know who Shifra and Puma, Pua is? And they go, yeah, we know who they are. <laughs> I was like, no, 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 no not, not Walt Disney characters biblical <laughs> individuals in the Bible. So it is not Timna and Pumbaa. We're talking about Shifra and Pua. So this is what uh, Pharaoh, the king of, uh, the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt says to them. He says, when you help the Hebrew women. So remember, he's dealing shrewdly, shrewdly with the nation of Israel. He says, when you help the Hebrew women uh, as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. Now, we, we don't know what his expectations are because he doesn't say how to kill them. But there must have been a moment where they were going from having a child, when the child's being born, that Pharaoh, who must not have been a present for many births, <laughs> says, as the child comes up, it, identify what the child is. And if the child is a girl, let it live. And if it's a boy, kill it. Now, I don't know if that meant to smother it or if that meant to, like, to break the... I don't know. It's, it's disgusting. It's, it's tragic. It's something that just, for most of us, we sit there and we go, like, how can we, anybody even go to that direction? But I want to I point something out. Every time the enemy has a, knows that something's about to take place, as soon as it happens, he goes after what? The defenseless. He goes after the defenseless. When Jesus is born... Who does Herod go after? The defenseless. This is why it is so important as followers of Christ that we understand that we must step in the gap of the defenseless. It is our responsibility. Jeremiah, we just talked about it, says that you are being punished because you didn't stand in the gap of those who could not defend themselves. It is our responsibility. So he says, let them, he says, so kill the boys. Now, he doesn't tell anyone else. So most likely, Shifra and Pua 
are the head midwives. So they're the two in charge of all the other midwives because we know the nation has grown, it's big, there's a bunch of people there. And they're most likely given, brought into before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says to them, you let all the people under you know that if it's a boy, kill it. If it's a girl, let it live. So it says, and keep on going with the verse in the, in the scripture, it says in verse 17, but because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So now not obeying the king's orders meant one thing and one thing only death. If you don't abide by, the, by Pharaoh's rule, you are going most likely to die. So they, by them saying, hey, we're not going to listen to the king, to the Pharaoh's orders, the king's orders, th these are not as scary as here. Now we put that in, I, I even said it, they're not as scary. But for them, it wasn't about fearing punishment. It was that they understood that God was their authority. He was the author. I love the way that George Young said it a couple weeks ago, if you were here on a Saturday. He said that if, you, if the, the author has the authority. So the midwives understood that God is the author of life, so therefore he has the authority. Pharaoh was trying to usurp the authority of God and put himself in a governmental position that he could make the decision of who would live and who would die. See, it's not our choice. The author has the authority. The, they understood this, that God was the author of life, so it didn't matter what her, uh, the Pharaoh said. It only mattered what God said, so they allowed the boys to live. So the king of Egypt called for the midwives. Why have you done this, he demanded. Why have you allowed the boys to live? Now, how long did it take Pharaoh to figure this out? Because, you know, as a baby, you, when you get a baby, they... Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to offend some people. Babies all look the same, okay? When they're born, they all look like little aliens. <laughs> all the dads laugh. <laughs> all the wives want to kill me. They did not. Mine was the most beautiful thing in the world. No, no it wasn't. It was ugly as all get out. It, it was... Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I'll be honest, I, I said this before I had children, that babies were ugly, like when they're newborn. Now as they grow up, they get cute, some of them. Uh, <laughs> but when, I, when I was, before I had babies, I thought, man, they are all ugly. Then I had my first son, when Caleb was born and I held him for the first time, I said, this is the most beautiful baby ever. Why? Because he was mine. Looking back on pictures, that dude was ugly. <laughs> he was he looked like every other baby. So how long did it take for Pharaoh to figure out that babies were not being killed when they were baby boys? Well, probably three to four years that they could have hid the fact that these were boys. Because the midwives were going, don't tell anybody. Don't let Pharaoh know. Hide the babies. Hide the boys. Keep them under wraps. And, and so at some point, Pharaoh looked out and going, what is going on? The, how are there all these four-year-old boys running around? They should be dead. So we don't know for sure how long, but eventually Pharaoh catches on that they're not killing him. He says, why have you done this? And the, the, the Shifra and Pua say, well, the Hebrew women aren't like the, the Egyptian women. The midwives replied, they are more vigorous and have their babies so quickly that we can't get there in time. Now, clearly, they're able to lie to Pharaoh because he has no clue how, how labor works. Okay. 
Because I don't care what kind of nationality you are, whether you're a Hebrew or whether you're Egyptian, it ain't like, hey, I'm having a baby, and bling, there's no pop, there's the baby. (laughs) It is work, it's effort. And so they were basically manipulating the story to fit their narrative. Maybe, just maybe, they were lying. Okay. Watch what happens. I'm going to come back to that. So God was good to the midwives, and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, made him the author, he gave them families of their own. Now, I love it when people say, sin is sin. Is it? Because they just lied to Pharaoh, and God blesses them for lying. I'm just wondering, did God just bless the midwives or did they just figure out a really creative way to lie to Pharaoh? The point is, in this, most rabbis would sit down and you wouldn't have this discussion in the Hebrew nations or in, as a Jew because there are levels of sin. And if there's, because all the laws in the Old Testament, you can't keep them all because if you keep one, eventually you're going to break another by keeping one. Like circumcision happens on the eighth day. What happens on the, if your circ- eighth day happens to be on the Sabbath where you're not supposed to be working? Which one is more important? See, the, okay, just, just the little, little, uh, little grains of thought for you. Have fun with that this week. But here we have two women who lie to Pharaoh, who say to him, hey, you're not the author. You're not the authority here. So somehow they convince him, and they live through this, and they end up, God ends up blessing them with their own kids. And I love that. God says, hey, Pharaoh, you want to stop people from having uh, kids? Let me just give the ones who midwives probably weren't having children. That's why they were midwives. So he gives the midwives who can't have children, children. I love it. God's awesome. So then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave the or, this order to the Hebrew. Okay, sorry, I'm coming back. I want to come back to this. But so and, and let me give you what happens. The children are growing. Pharaoh decides, I'll have to take it another route. I'll just send my army in, and boys are going to die. So they're going to they're take care of it. Now, the ne- very next story is one that we all know. Moses is born, put into a basket, and sent down the Nile. And Pharaoh's daughter adopts a hebrew boy love it anyway we don't have we're not going to go there we're going to stick in uh, this to this story shifra and pua now we know a couple things about shifra and pua number one these are hebrew names so they're not egyptian midwives they are hebrew midwives they are from the nation of israel they know who their people are and this is another thing that we can find out from them is that when you read the first five chapters of Exodus, we're given four names. Well, you, take, you go away from the genealogy that's in, chapter, uh, in verse 1, who just, who's in, now in Egypt. You go, after that, you go next five chapters, there's only three names given to us. Moses, Shifra, and Pua. These names must be really important. Because they're the only name that he, he gives us, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, but he doesn't give us his name. A few chapters later, we get the names of some priests, but he doesn't give us their names. He gives it our, our officials, but he doesn't give us their names. He gives us just these two names. They're foundational 
to the book of Exodus, but we've spent no time discussing them. So who are Shifra and Pua? Now, the only thing we can know about them is they were obedient to God, that they ignored the governmental issue of what they were supposed to do according to the government, and they made God their author of their life. The other thing we can do is we can look at their names. Shifra, the first one, can mean two things. It can either mean fairness or it can mean beautiful. Pua can mean two things. It can either mean splendid or it can mean fragrance. Their names mean beautiful fragrance. Now, Moses, being a good Hebrew that he was, would have known that this would be something that would stand out. And he, wa he wanted to, to make sure that, he, that the, the beginning of the book, that these two names, beautiful fragrance, would stand out to us. Now, why does that matter? I I'll tell you why it matters, because smell matters. Can I get an amen? Smell matters. Now, I might be just a little bit on the uh, extreme of this. If anybody knows me well, I am um, extremely OCD about smells. I, I have to, like, I don't like bad smells. I don't want to be around them. They, they, in fact, they, they, if you didn't know this, maybe you, you've picked it up as you walked into this building. There is an authentic church smell. We have a distinct odor that we intentionally pump into this place. So much so that a few weeks ago, I was at an event uh, with, for Off the Wall, and I ran into a guy I know, and I gave him a high five, and he's been here a few times and has made a comment about he likes the smell of this building, and he gave me a high five. He goes, man, you smell like the church. <laughs> Why did I smell like the church? Because guess what? I was at the church. So here's, here's the thing. I, I, the reason why I am so OCD about it is because for three years, I did this. That's called a nasal ranger. For three years, there's, there's a front page article in the Akron Beacon Journal with my face doing that. Now, I went to find it, and thankfully, I could not find it. I Googled myself and put Nasal Ranger, Akron Beacon Journal, and the article is gone. Thank God. Four times a day, six days a week, 28. Where, where did you find that? You didn't, there's not a picture, is there? Oh, my goodness. How did you guys? I, look at the quote. I know I look goofy, McDonald said. There better not be a picture. You don't have a picture, do you? Thank God. Okay. <laughs> That's wrong. Anyway, so this is, my, this is evidence. This is what I did for my, my job for three years. I drove around Tuscarawas County, Stark County, and a lot of Ohio, smelling smells and giving them a rating. And after this time, I've got a very, like, my nose, I smell things before anybody else. We're driving down the road, and I'll smell, I'm like, oh, man. I'll smell it before anybody else. Then they're like, oh, it hits them like 30 seconds later. Like, if we're at home, I'll be like, boy, did you just do what I think you just did? And everybody's like, no, no. And then, then it happens. Everybody else gets the whiff. And then everybody else is like, 
I won't say what K-name would come out, but there's a certain K-name that maybe said in my home, sitting over there, um, that <laughs> may happen. <laughs> and they all know who did what. But I smell it before anybody else does. I ha- smell matters. Now, those of you that want to give me a hard time, I think I'm just following the heart of God. Because look at Exodus chapter 30. Same book where it begins with this, con- this foundation of fra- uh, beautiful fragrance. God says to, to Moses, he says, Moses, gather fragrant spices, resin droplets, musket, musk, mollusk shell. There it is. I, I can read, maybe. And that other word there, galbanum. Nobody knows what that is. And, and mix these fragrant spices with pure frankincense weighed out in equal amounts. Using the usual techniques of the incense maker, blend the spices together and sprinkle them with salt to produce a pure and holy Incense, a smell that he distincts, he, mes- he says, measured out distinctly. This is what I want it to smell like. Then he says, grind some of the mixture into very fine powder and put it in front of the Ark of the Covenant where I will meet with you in the tabernacle. You must treat this incense as most holy. God said, smell matters. So he says, never use this formula to make this incense for yourselves. Don't, that's, you can't use this as cologne. Don't use this in your, in your home. It is reserved for the Lord, and you must treat it as holy. Anyone who makes incense like this for personal use will be cut off from the community. That's intense, right? God, God says smell matters. Now you go to Levit- Leviticus, and you'll find out that two men made the wrong smell. It says, now Nadad... And Abahu, the sons of Aaron, took their respective fire pans and after putting fire in them, placed incense on it and offered strange fire. It didn't smell right, which he had not, uh, which he had not commanded them. And a fire came out from the presence of the Lord, the Holy of Holies, and consumed them. That means they were standing there, fire comes out of the Holy of Holies, they're no longer there, gone. And they died before the Lord. It matters to God. Smell matters. It's not just Old Testament. It's New Testament. This is what Paul says to the Corinthians. He says, for we are a what? Fragrance of Christ to God. Among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We are supposed to have a distinct aroma about us. Now, this is, this is important to them. And God begins Exodus by saying, hey, there's these two women, their obedience and making me the author and declaring me author and not listening to the authority of the state or the government, but listening to the authority of the author of all creation, stood in a position where they took their day-to-day job and turned it into ministry. Let me say that again. They use their beautiful fragrance to take their day-to-day job and turned it into ministry. That is what this series is about, is that you would understand that the day-to-day life you live needs to be distinct. It needs to be set apart. It needs to be such a way when you show up to work, people say there's something different about you. There's a unique smell that cannot be anywhere else. It can't be, but it is only for God and for his glory. That's what this is about. So let's answer this question. How do we smell good? 
Number one, just like anything with doing with smell, notice the need. Notice the need. Now, for those of you that grew up in my generation of Saturday Night Live, how do you notice the need? <laughs> Sorry. Yes. <laughs> Does it, nobody? I'm by myself on this one. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You got to notice the need. I'm going to help you parents out. Those of you that have preteens and teenagers, notice you smell. You have a smell about you, okay? It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter how like delusional your nasal thing is. You smell. Now, you need to notice that you smell. Now, here's what I want to do. I'm going to change that just a little bit. I want to say we need to notice when we walk out that we are the odor, the aroma of God. So we need to notice where there's a need. Here, let me show you. Jesus shows a perfect example of this in John chapter 9, verse 1. Jesus is walking along, and they notice that there's a, a man who has been blind from birth. And the, the disciples say, hey, Rabbi, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins? He's born blind. Was it his own sins? Like sins that he's going to commit or sins that he committed in the womb? Or was it his parents' sins? Why is this man being punished? Now, notice, both the disciples and Jesus see the same man. They just see it differently. The, the, the disciples see an opportunity for a theological argument. Hey, well, this person's hurting. Why are they hurting? Let's discuss the reasons why this person is in this situation and why, 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 is the, why are they there? Right? Jesus says, um, it's not because of his sins or the parents' sins. This happens so that the power of God could be seen in him, and he heals him. See, Jesus sees the hurt and addresses it and leads to healing. This is where we need to get to a place where we start seeing things differently. But we start seeing people the way that God sees them. We need to see people for their needs, not for their inconvenience. We need to see people for their potential, not their problems. We need to see people for their brokenness and the potential for healing, not just a weight on our lives. So we need to, we need to be able to, uh, if we're going to smell good, we need to notice the need. The second thing is we need to notice the, and know the why. This is the, the why. Anytime I say why, it's because it's the motivation behind it. So when you go home and you've been working all day, you went and worked out, whatever it is, and you go and take a shower, why is that? Because you smell. And you want to get the dirt off of you. And, we, that, and you feel so good coming out of the shower. But more importantly, we appreciate that you took a shower. The people around you, because you're... Aroma is not just for you. The aroma of God isn't just for you. God loves when you walk out of here and you smell like him. When you walk out of his presence and you, your, your, your aroma is his aroma. This is, God loves it. Why? Because he's more concerned about the people who are going to smell you than whether you're clean or not. He's more concerned about how you're going to affect the people that you're around 
than whether you feel good about having that time in the presence of God. Jesus tells the, 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 the illustration he gives is, he says, I've got a hundred, there's a, a shepherd, he's got a hundred sheep. He gets back to the sheepfold, he, leave, he realizes there's 99 of them. He leaves the 99 and goes off to get the one. Why? Because the only way the one was going to get back to the sheepfold is if we, the shepherd went and got him. Jesus is going, hey, I love the fact of what you're doing on Sundays. I love it. It's great. I love the way you worship. Man, it's good. It is pleasing to him. When we lift him up, it is, it's, God says his presence is where we lift him up. That's good. And it's great. So keep it up. But the, even greater than that is the aroma that you take out into this world is even greater than that. He'll leave the 99 to find the one. This is what he, uh, the writer of Hebrews says. Don't forget to do good things for others, to share what you have with them. These are the kind of sacrifices that please God. He loves the worship. But even greater is the sacrifices. What is that? The incense the burnt offering, the aroma that you bring to him is when you go out and you do good things for others and share your aroma with them. So we, we, have, to, we have to notice the need, know the why, and here's the one, you got to do it daily. For teenagers, you got to take a shower daily. Okay? But for those that follow Jesus Christ... This isn't a Sunday thing. This isn't a when I'm coming in and I got my good looks on and I got my, put my suit jacket on and I'm feeling good about the way I, I feel and the way I look. It, Sunday's great, but more importantly is that we do it every day. I love the way that the message paraphrase gives us Galatians chapter 6 verse 4. It says, make careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given. And then sink yourself into that. Here's Shifra and Pua knew their people. And they weren't about to let Pharaoh tell them to kill their own people. They knew the people. You need to know who your people are. Who are you? So you, you are in the family that you're in for a reason. That's your people. You're in the connect group you're in because that's your people. Know your people. And then know your place. Where, where, your workplace, your school, your, where you go to do your work, that's your place. See, Shifra and Pua understood their place was as midwives. And they turned their ministry, their, 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 their work, their day-to-day, -day, into their ministry. And then... They made it their passion. They were willing to die for it. They didn't know that God was going to honor that. They didn't know that they were going to get children because of it. They didn't know that uh, Pharaoh wasn't going to kill them. They just said, I'm willing to die for this. See, this is, this is where we, the prayer, the, the Lord's prayer, thy, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. This is where we need to stop praying, God, bless my mess. Instead, we need to say, God, let me know what mess I need to walk into. Let, let me know where I'm supposed to be going and make it my passion. This is where you take your day-to-day -day and say, God, how do I turn it from labor into ministry? 
How do I turn it into going, I got to go to work another day till I get to go spend time in a place and with people and they have an influence? How do, I, how do I do that? This is where we need to take this opportunity to say, God, just like Sifra and Pua, we need to understand that you've given us the opportunity to be an aroma in the world. How do we do that? Ephesians 5, Paul, or Paul writing to the church in Ephesus says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ, who he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice and a pleasing aroma to God. For us to become the pleasing aroma to God means we have to give our lives to the one who died for us. How, how do we become a pleasing aroma? Is to follow the one who is the first sacrifice and pleasing aroma to God. This is the opportunity I, I want us to take this morning is to begin that relationship with him. That we follow his example. That we give our lives to follow him.